It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Living Sensibly podcast. This is Amos Tarfa. I am starting something new here where I try to release a longer video on the week, uh, during, on, over the weekend and then hopefully um, during the week I can release short videos to encourage you. Um, today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15. I'm going to be explaining why, what that passage is about and why. I, I don't know how this started, but there's all these lies that are being put all over the internet um, about connecting that passage to, to ethnicity or to social justice. Uh, which it has nothing to do with. It has nothing to do with that, and it's focused on salvation, which is a very important theme that I've noticed has been lacking over the past few months. Uh, what I think has happened, what is interesting, is that we had 2020 with the coronavirus, and then we had um, in the United States, there was the elections, there was uh, riots, there was protests, there was um, conversations of all sorts, uh, friends canceling one another, people getting canceled. A lot happened in 2020. But what is interesting is that we did not hear as much. Uh, it wasn't, uh, I guess, emphasized as much. The issue of heaven and hell and eternity and people repenting of their sins and me repenting. If there's anything I need to repent of, I need to keep seeking the Lord and repenting. That issue of repentance and the issue of heaven and hell seems to be uh, lacking a little bit because people are just focused about, you know, hey, I can't come to your house. There's the virus, this, that, and the other. So I want to encourage us now as we turn our attention to eternal matters uh, I want us to see what this passage actually says. And then I also want to, in love, say this, that if there are pastors out there who are trying to bring another religion of social justice into their pulpit or into their teaching frame or reference, I want to encourage you to be very careful because you, might, you will be misleading people if you do not encourage them to stick to following Jesus but start bringing in stuff from other religions or actually this, this new quote-unquote religion. Um, and so we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the passage here. Today we have the longer video and then throughout the week we'll have some other videos that will be released. So let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 15. Um, sometimes people put posts out there but they haven't actually read the passage and studied the passage and that's very troubling, very troubling, especially when people are from the clergy and so on. Okay, so let's look at uh, Luke 15 verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. The tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Please pay attention to that. 
So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Right away, again, I'm trying to stay calm. I'm not mad at anybody. I just, when I get excited, my wife says my volume goes up. To take that and say that it applies to black lives, for example, what did you just say about black lives? Because now the parable is saying he's talking about a sheep that was lost. But who was he also trying to talk to? He was talking to sinners. Are we going to say all black people sort of fit into that model of the one that went off to the side? Wow. That's intense. So it says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. This lostness doesn't apply to any race or ethnicity. It applies to all of us who are lost and need a savior. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. What is the opposite of Lost, we say found. What is salvation? It means to be saved. Saved from what? We'll come back to all that as we go on. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Wow, my friends, look what is going on. A passage like this is taken and twisted to, to, to fulfill to fit a narrative out there. If a person has done this in ignorance, the Bible says that we can repent. Today is the day of repentance. We can repent and make things right. But to take a passage like this and try to tie it to, to, to Black Lives Matter or, or, or ethnicity or, or some people are marginalized or their friends or our, our brothers who might be in poverty or suffering or this and that. That's not what the passage is talking about at all. This is so twisted. The Bible gives a warning in several parts of the scripture to be careful with people who will come with lies. They will be, they'll come in sheep's clothing, but they're wolves. They're liars. Anyone who takes John, uh, Luke 15 and uses it for the purpose of trying to talk about ethnicity is a liar and needs to repent. That's what the Bible teaches. So Luke 15 is not talking about the marginalized. It's talking about the lost that need to get saved. And that's the message that we needed to be talking about more and more last year. Is that people need salvation. That's what we need. We need to be saved and we need to repent. So please, as I said, if somebody has done this in ignorance, let's repent. Learn from your mistake. But never try to use the Bible to fit a cultural narrative. Never try to use the Bible or the words of Jesus to try and make a point that Jesus was not trying to make. Okay, I've made my case about Luke 15. So somebody might ask, well, how do we help people? How do we, how, how do we um, care for the poor? Well, let's look at Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Let's look at that passage because that gives us some answers to some of the questions we might be looking for. But in order to also make sense of that passage fully, let's make sure we also look at Matthew 7, 21 to 23. So let's look at Matthew 25 first. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a, she as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep 
on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? These, these righteous are asking, when did this happen, Lord? And Jesus said, and the king will answer and say to them, as assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did, did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Inasmuch as you did Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Okay, pay attention to that. To the least of these. Now listen to the other people, to the goats, what he said to them. Then he will say also, then also, then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then you will, then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. A few things I want to mention. By the way, I know I read from Luke 15, but just to show you how much lies are going on in our culture and twisting of the scriptures. Look at the rest of the Bible. Look at the rest of the book of Luke. Look at the rest of the chapter. And notice that he talks again and again and again about salvation. Why did Jesus even come? That's a question you need to ask. He did not come fundamentally to try and solve poverty. That was, the, that was not what he came for. How do I know that? Because when the woman with the perfume broke the jar in that meeting and someone said, we could have sold that and given that to the poor. Jesus said, oh, the poor you will have with you always. That, that, no, this woman's story will be told whenever the, the gospel is preached, essentially. So Jesus came to save the lost and the lost are from all ethnicities. And everyone needs salvation. Everyone needs to know Jesus Christ. That's the hope and prayer. That for, for my, that's my hope and prayer. And that's what the scripture says in the book of Peter. That he does not want any. The Bible says the Lord is not slack in his promise. But he doesn't want any to perish. He wants people to be saved. And in the midst of the gospel that needs to be preached. Now we have cultural issues that are throwing in a, a, a wrench. Lies and things that are just not true. Anyways, um, again, I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just excited about this topic and excited about the lost getting saved. So I want to proclaim the gospel as clear as possible. So I read from Matthew 25, where it talks about those who were thirsty and those who, uh, wh whatever the case, it talks about the different situations. Um, and here's what's interesting. Both the sheep and the goats said to him, Lord, when did we see you? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Which brings us to Matthew 7. So both of them said, Lord, when did we see you? Well, listen to what it says in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Just helping somebody in need is not what gets you into heaven. Just doing good things is not what gets you into heaven. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that he knew sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to talk about practical applications of helping our neighbor. Definitely. By the grace of God, I've had a chance to help people in many capacities. And I'm not saying this now to tell you all that I've done. No, this is not about what I've done. I'm going to share some things that have been happening all around me and just opportunities for people to serve. And yes, there is a right way to help people and a wrong way to help them. The wrong way to help a person is to tell them that they're oppressed. I repeat, the wrong way to tell a person that you want to help them is to tell them they're oppressed. Especially when you tell them that their skin color will be a disadvantage for the rest of their lives. That is not helping a person. Could a person's skin color affect certain things throughout their, their stay on this planet? Of course. See, one thing that I find interesting in some of the conversations going on in our culture is that we forget that people who are immigrants, right, and who are also a certain color, for example, they have to work through double layers, right, if you want to start doing that issue of layers of issues. They're coming from a faraway land, trying to get established in a new land, and they have the color that you say is oppressed. That's not a good thing to say. Did you know that even people like Booker T. Washington, and I put my, on my Facebook, you see I put a few quotes from him. Even people like Booker T. Washington, who was born at the time, right, when slavery was still happening, made it clear that you cannot crush me. Frederick Douglass said the same thing, essentially. These guys knew that, no, 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 I'm not going to allow you to define me. Yes, you can put a person, you, you can limit a person's opportunities. You can, you can put a person in slavery, which is a sad thing that has happened in the world. And that is still happening today, by the way, in many parts of the world. People are being persecuted for their ethnicities all around the world. I'm not going to go into detail about my village or some of my stories where I have cousins that still live there. And we need to be praying for peace in, in, in the northeast of Nigeria. We need to be praying for things to work out. But this business of focusing on skin tones, we got to be very careful. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. No matter who you meet, where you meet them, you love them. That's what the Bible teaches, including loving our enemies. And so when I read the Bible and I read the words of Jesus, and I see what is some of what's going on in our culture, I am concerned and my heart aches to see people get deceived on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, all over YouTube. There's a lot of deception. And so people have to be aware of what they're allowing into their ears. They have to be aware of what philosophies they're buying into. Telling a person of a certain race that they're essentially guilty as charged forever. There's no hope for them. 
That's not the gospel. You know what's interesting? And I'll share the gospel here as we wrap up our first segment. You know what's interesting is that, uh, uh, what, what's his name now? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, I was trying to remember that for a second, sorry. The Apostle Paul, in his book Galatians, he says, let's even go back to it, okay? This is just a quick side note here. If you look at Galatians chapter 1, Paul tells them something that is so powerful. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Christ, from him who called you in the grace of Christ, or sorry, from God the Father, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to pervert the gospel. <clears throat> but even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. If anyone preaches any other gospel, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. See, the thing is, the gospel, we have all sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus came and he took the punishment of sin upon himself and he died on the cross. And if we believe in him, it says that whoever calls on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. No exceptions, no skin tone issues, no net level of melanin. You will be saved if you call on the name of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Anybody who says anything contrary to that, Paul says, even if an angel tells you otherwise, or even if an angel tells you otherwise, do not listen. And a lot of people who are saying otherwise are not angels. That I know. But my point is, even if an angel, even if a man who has been a Christian for 79 years tells you any gospel that brings things down to a person's physical appearance, that brings things down to a person's heritage because they were born here or born here, that person's gospel is false. That's what Paul makes clear. And I hope that this reminds us, stay with the gospel. Let's preach the gospel. Now, have there been people who have said mean things to other people? Have there been people who have said mean things to me because of my skin color? Have there been people who have looked down on me because of my skin color? This is a human problem. People were insulting one another before I left Nigeria when I came here in terms of people within the country. People from every country insult one another in one way or the other. And you know the funny thing? Well, it's not funny, but the interesting thing. Even if you don't say the words out loud, if your heart think something wrong. That's a problem. Jesus made it clear in his teachings that if your heart, for example, if you hate your brother, that it's like you've murdered them, he said. So Jesus says that our hearts, right? And I could find the exact verse from the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But Jesus talks about that, that he, he, he brings uh, murder and hatred into the same thing. But he said, it's a, even if you hate someone in your heart, it's a problem. So ultimately, a lot of people who are trying to preach the, uh, a gospel that is not true of social justice, here's the thing. People are actually worse off than you give them credit for because they're not just good if they put up the right signs or say the right things. No, the Bible says that they're, they're bad if their heart is bad. 
But you and I cannot judge people's hearts. God judges the heart. So what should we focus more on? We should focus more on people seeking to get their hearts right with God. Because if a person's heart is right with God, they will love their neighbor. Because God is love. And in him, there's no hatred. In him, there's no darkness. So if we love God, we will love our neighbor. So therefore, our prayer and our hope should be that people's hearts are transformed. Not that their words alone are the issue, but that their hearts are transformed. Amen? Do you see? It's about the heart. So this is an interesting presentation of the gospel I'm going to share here. And then we're going to take a quick break moving into the Then we're going to jump into the second segment where I talk about just practical applications of loving your neighbor. But here's what's interesting. On the one hand, people are saying, oh, say this or do this or do that. But here's what the Bible says. You are worse off than people want. You know, you're worse off because your heart is what God judges on. So if your heart is wrong, then you are a ser you're in serious trouble with God. But then Jesus came and says, even though you're worse off, I died for you so you can have life. Isn't that interesting? People are worse off, but Jesus died and he can pay the price for even the thing that they're worse off in. Jesus is the one that we follow. The gospel must be preached and run away from anyone or any doctrine that goes against that. Thank you for your time. We'll go into part two. So welcome back to part two. I want to talk a little bit about practical applications for loving your neighbor. So let's take about three minutes to look at practical applications for loving your neighbor. If you have not watched part one, I want to encourage you to watch that first segment. Um, I am planning to, as I said, make regular videos and uh, education videos and different teachings. So if you want to support some of the work I'm doing in education or making some of these programs that I'll be making over the next year, feel free to you know, use the links below or send me an email. If you, if, you, you know, if, you, if you just want to pray, I want to encourage you to just be praying for me as I try to address some of the serious issues that are going on in the day and age that we live in. So thank you for your support. Thank you for watching this. And I hope that you're blessed in this part. What can we do on a practical level to love our neighbors? What can we do on a practical level to help people that are quote unquote marginalized? Uh, there's a right, there's a program I'm doing or, or, or paper I'm going to be working on and a teaching. I'm just going to say this quickly just to get us going. Uh, before we talk about, um, uh, you know, ministry or, or doing things to, to, to those who are marginalized, it's important to note that just because you are in a minority does not mean that the thing that puts you in the minority is itself right. I repeat, just because you are in the minority does not mean that the thing that puts you in the minority is right. Right? We, we don't want, uh, you know, th th there's, there's all sorts of sexual deviancy. Uh, you know, you talk about pedophilia and, and so on. If you're talking about sexual deviancy, you don't want the, the, those in the minority Right? You don't want to endorse a person just because they're in the minority. That's what I'm saying. I hope that makes sense. But so I just want to address that, get that out of the way. Again, salvation is ultimately the most important thing we can give anybody. That is what matters most because this life on earth is temporary. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. So it's important that we focus on salvation in, you know, salvation and people's lives focus on serving God. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's stop trying to belittle that. Um, so now we're going to zoom into the story of loving your neighbor. The Good Samaritan is a very good example of this. When we look at the Good Samaritan, isn't it interesting that Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan? If you don't know the Samaritans and how the relationship they have with the Jews, please go ahead and look it up and just see it for yourself. But Jesus tells a story and we see that people of two different ethnic backgrounds, right? In one sense, one would say that the one with, that, that was being helped was, was of a different class, right? Some of them might have looked down on the Samaritans, but the Samaritan helped him out, right? And, and I'm going to find more analogies for us to tie that together. But please let us recognize that the Good Samaritan helped the person he met along the way, right? That's the key. Help along the way. He helped the person along the way. So ultimately, part of what it takes to help our neighbor is to recognize that the neighbor we meet might be people that we meet along the way. It might not be somebody out in the inner city of Chicago or Detroit, right? I don't need to be putting up signs and shouting things and just sitting back and doing nothing about my neighbor. Like, imagine your next door neighbor has issues. Are you going to ask them first? Hey, so what's your ethnicity before I help you? No, you help them. So we should be there to help when we can by the grace of God. And so let's look at a few ways that we can do this. From Matthew 25, which remember, just because you say Lord, Lord, does not mean that you are in fact one who the Lord knows, right? And that's why Matthew 7 is important. It tells you, make sure you do the will of his Father. So let's make sure our hearts are right with God when we're helping people. We're not helping them to get saved. Because the problem is some people have made it out to help people at the expense of doctrine. What I mean is they are helping people even if it means that by, by doing it, in doing it, they give up truth. We can't do that. We hold on to truth and we help people the best that we can. Do you see? That's important. Hold on to truth and help people the best that you can. That's number one. Let's look at another way to help people. So another way to help people, so first, again, we've talked about help them by holding on to truth as you help them. That's number one. Now let's dive into some practical issues. I love practical. Okay, first of all, uh, hunger, right? And that's one area that is pretty straightforward. Jesus talked about this. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. Uh, in America, let me just say that I've worked with people who are homeless. I've worked with people who have been in jail, as I've said before, and so on and so forth. Uh, and I've also worked with people who are, you know, broke. And I, myself, at one point in my life, while being in America, I was broke. I, I mean, let me tell you this. One time I went to, it was a Christmas of one year. It was my fault. Uh, I just had graduated. I, I, I just had this little, I had this job that wasn't full time. Things were tight. And my wife invited me. But then we were just getting ready to start having conversations about, you know, are we getting married and so on and so forth. This was 2010. And I thought, you know what? I'll be fine. You just go to your parents for Christmas. I'll stay back in, in college. You know, I lived out in a certain city. She lived in another city. And I said, um, hey, I'll just, I'll just stay over here in this city. Um, oh, sorry. I lived in, in, in a different part of Superior. Yeah, this was in Superior. And she lived in a different part of town. And I said, I'll just, we'll just, you know, have Christmas with some of my friends here, you know, who I stay with. Anyways, here's what was interesting. Well, it didn't work out as I thought. 
and I ended up having to go sell. There was a place that would buy back some of your uh, trousers that you're not using. And I had to go like sell some of those off, right? To like get uh, extra. Now I had, I mean, I, I had a house, I had everything. I just didn't have uh, enough to have a good meal for Christmas. And so that was what I sort of did back then. But the point I'm trying to make though, is that hunger and food and so on. I understand the reality of lacking, right? And the apostle Paul said this too, that he knew what it meant to have a lot and what it meant, what it meant to have a little. I had very little right when I graduated high school, I mean, sorry, college. And so I say that to tell you, yeah, poverty is a real thing or not having, but notice that poverty, right? There's a state of mind too. You can have very little and not be poor. You have to change. We have to change our mindset. See, there's enough in this world there's enough money to go around. Somebody did the calculation one time, said it takes about 200 billion to solve poverty for a season. Well, one person has 200 billion in the world today, right? I'm not, again, I'm not bashing him for having 200 billion, but my point is the, the, the money is around. When you got people, when you have people saying, I just want to look at space, go suborbital for, for 10 minutes and come back. And they did a bidding where people had to bid to, to get to go to space with Jeff Bezos. And somebody, the bidding went up to $30 million. I mean, imagine somebody could write $30 million for that. I get it. It's, it's a big deal. I, I understand. But $30 million is a lot of money to be used on a, in one day, in 10 minutes. Um, but again, that person ended up backing out. I don't know what they're going to do now. They didn't invite me, so I'm not going. But anyways, the point is we should care for the hungry, right? And find ways to provide food to those who need food. And sometimes it's not just giving them food. It's trying to find out what their real needs are and meeting those needs in a practical way. So number one, we feed the hungry, we, we give drink to the thirsty. When I, I had a guy email me from East Africa one time, I, 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 um, this was probably 2011, and he was sharing with me some of the challenges they had in their orphanage. And he mentioned that in that particular orphanage, they were having meals about once every three days. Once every three days, that's intense. Now, maybe you're in America and you have a lot, or you're in England or wherever you are, maybe try and see how you can give right? You, you, let's say you're tithing and then now you have extra money here that you can give to some organization that stands for truth or somebody on the ground who can take that money and help the hungry. Maybe there's nobody hungry around you. Well, let's do something for those who are hungry. In America, it's a very different situation. I've hardly met anyone in America ever who says I've not eaten for three days because there's no way for me to get any food. If you're hungry and you feel there's no way for you to get food, honestly, if you went to a restaurant and respectfully asked, the, and I've, I've read stories of this many times, and you respectfully asked, can you please feed me? Can you please help me? I have nothing, right? But, but keep in mind, there's programs that people can kind of sign up for. and There's agencies you can talk to. This is not the case all around the world, I'll repeat. It's not the case. Children eating once every three days. Wow. That's intense. There was a guy who once said that he used to leave America regularly every year because he wanted to stay in touch with reality. Because he felt that in America, it just seemed unreal. A lot of stuff seemed unreal. Now, am I saying there's no poverty in America? There is. There's poverty. I'm just saying where you are right now, are you around people that you can go help feed? If your answer is no, if everybody in your neighborhood has a lot of money, well, find a way to help feed someone. And if there's nobody nearby and there's no organization that you can support nearby, then look at beyond, right? Because we're all part of a human race. And there's Christian brothers and sisters in other countries of the world. One of the best models I've seen, though, for helping the poor or helping those in need, Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, which I honestly encourage you to look outside America to see what's going on. 
But one of the organizations is called Farms International. My friend Scott Clifton is one of the directors, or is the director. And one of the things they do is that they empower and give the people tools in some of these countries to start businesses, micro loans that are 0%, from my understanding, is, yeah, they're 0% micro loans given through the church or through, yeah, through the church. And it's a wonderful way. You empower people to use the resources in their surrounding to make an impact. So that's one way people can help is through organizations like Farms International and any other way you can help feed someone who's hungry. That's number one. Oh, that's another number. So we've looked at addressing hunger. We've looked at the other issue of not sacrificing truth, right? And I'm sorry there, there was a break in between our last segment and this one, but I hope you're following us along. And please remember, if you haven't subscribed already, feel free to subscribe, like the video, share the video with your friends as we're trying to look at practical ways to make an impact and to love our neighbors. Please also feel free to um, comment below what are some practical ways that we can love our neighbors. I'm not going to cover everything in this video, but feel free to share some of your thoughts as well. Remember that the Good Samaritan helped the person he met along the way in life's journey. See, there's so much going on in the world today and all over the world, I know, and there's a lot going on in America. But one thing that is interesting and important is that wherever you are, if God gives you an opportunity to be a blessing to someone, make the most of the opportunity. The Bible says if it is within your means to do good, do good to your brethren, right? Especially, I mean, especially to those in the household of faith. In Galatians chapter 6, it talks about um, whatever you sow, you shall reap. But it also talks about not growing weary in doing good. This says, it says here in Galatians chapter 6 verse um, verse 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So basically, what is important here is we're looking at practical ways to help one another. It says, do not grow weary in doing good. We need to encourage people to have a mindset change. Just because they don't have a lot of money or because their jobs are low paying or whatever the story a person might tell you, encourage them to remember not to tie their worth to their bank account. Don't tie your worth to your bank account. Instead, let's encourage them to see what do you need and how can we encourage you to walk the, you know, now the thing is, sometimes people might come with a need and the solution might be to encourage them to do more, do something, right? So when I had challenges in my life uh, of, diff you know, maybe like a financial challenge or so on, it didn't help me to hang out with people who were poor and broke. I talked to those who understood how finance worked and that's the way it works. Sometimes it's funny. We tell people, oh, you don't understand my story or you, you, you don't know what's, what I'm going through. You don't understand. But it's like sometimes the person who might best help you is the one outside your situation. Someone who maybe has either gone through it and, and understands it or someone who might have never gone through it but knows what the answer is. See, the important thing is to realize that ultimately truth is truth no matter who delivers it. Truth is truth. But, of course, it's important. This context has to, we have to be careful with saying that because, you know, if you want to start quoting people that are, you know, out of their minds or people who are like people like Adolf Hitler and so on, that wouldn't be a good thing, right? But my point is truth, though, in and of itself, a, a, a thing that is true can come from a place of someone who has never been in your specific situation. Don't disqualify them. Don't disqualify anyone because of their skin tone or color and say, well, you don't understand because you're not black or whatever. Those are things that are not right because you're judging after the flesh and that's not a good thing to do. Of course, if the person is, is saying it without knowing what they're saying and what they're saying is not true, that's a different issue. But if, if the person is speaking truth, listen to the truth. 
I have friends from almost every continent of the world. Uh, I think I just don't have anyone from Australia, so I better go find a friend from Australia. But if, and if you are my friend and from Australia, I apologize. Uh, I, maybe I've forgotten where you're from. But the point, though, is truth is truth. Let's allow people to speak into our lives. Let's encourage people to change their mindset. Uh, there's a danger in serving God while rejecting the Word of God. As I said, that is an example of the SJW or the social justice movement today. A lot of it is actually trying sometimes to help people, but at the expense of truth. It is important that we never enable people intentionally. As you try to help people, be very careful not to enable them. If somebody is struggling and you're giving them money and they go back and are repeating the same thing they've been doing over and over again, you're not helping them. So let's be careful in how we even define what it means to help someone. But please, when the opportunity is given to you, whether it's to feed the hungry or to give water to the thirsty, or if it's to visit someone in the hospital, we need to put that in our schedules. Visit the sick. We need to start doing that more. In Nigeria, I remember I used to do that more, and I need to repent of that and do that more. Visit the sick. Number, and then another one is when you have a believer. Right? I just saw this the other day. A very sad situation where a pastor, I believe in Canada, it was in Canada, was arrested. I think his, his fellowship or his church was meeting uh, maybe during the COVID era. This happened to multiple pastors, but this particular pastor was in his home. I watched when they came and they arrested him and they tried to talk with the police officers. First of all, what would you do if you're a police officer and you were told to go arrest a pastor because of his church meetings? I'm going to tell you part of what I would do, but I would ask God for grace. Um, I will not do it even if it means I lose my job. That's hard. I'm saying it now, it sounds easy, but as I said, I will pray for grace. But I don't know that I want to play with arresting a man of God who was simply allowing the fellowship of believers in a manner that he thought was well done. I would not, I would not want to be the one arresting that person. So anyways, that's what happened. They arrested him. And I was thinking to myself, imagine if that guy is in prison and nobody visits him, right? That's not right. We should do unto others as we want them to do unto us. And if you were in prison for standing for righteousness, wouldn't you want people to come visit you? Now, please, it's important to note, just because someone has gone to prison, even if they went to prison for something wrong, does not mean that it's the end of their lives and there's no hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And even when we have situations where people have gone to prison for doing something wrong, we should be hopeful if we know the person, we should hope and pray that they repent in prison and start following Jesus. Because there are some people that are not in prison, they're outside prison, quote unquote, but they're actually in chains. There are a lot of people that you're walking around, you're seeing around today, they are in prison in a different sense. What I mean by that is they are in bondage. Sorry, that's the word I should use here. They are in bondage in a different sense. So just because you work a job and have a house and have this and that doesn't mean you're free. Jesus says, whom, he who the, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Freedom is in Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage us to feed the hungry on a practical level. Your neighbor, try and introduce yourself to your neighbor and then let them know, is there anything I can help you with? Sometimes you're helping your neighbor, as the Bible teaches, like the Good Samaritan, helping your neighbor might happen when you're on the bus to work. I have a, a guy who I mentored, and every, everywhere he goes, now, and it's not because I mentored him, what I'm saying is, he, by God's grace, God changed his life, he's a new creature, and now he wants to share Jesus with everybody. So when he meets people, he wants to just tell them. He wants to just tell them about Jesus. He wants to share about Jesus. He wants to share, what, you know, what can we do? How can we encourage you? 
That's where he comes from. And that perspective inspires me. That when I go to a store and I'm buying something and the person I'm buying it from looks very sad and downcast, by the grace of God, we can ask, how are you doing today? Is there something wrong? Do you need prayer? When you meet people along life's journey, take a minute to see how you can be a blessing to them. Feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty. Visit those in prison. Visit those in, uh, in need. Uh, and, and again, there are some people who were troublemakers. They went to prison. They've turned their lives around and nobody's visiting them. And there's some people who might not have even turned their lives around. And, and, and maybe you can write a letter trying to encourage them to turn their lives around. Let us be careful not to leave anyone out. As this applies specifically to the inner cities of America and so on, I would rather say that anywhere there's poverty in America or anywhere people are stuck, we should find ways to give them tools to be empowered and to break the cycle or to come out of poverty. But poverty is not linked or tied to any ethnicity. Anyone can, be, can have what they need and, 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 and do okay. I'm not saying you'll be a billionaire, but be okay to feed your family. So there is enough money in this world. Money is not an issue. Let's work to provide people with the tools and the skills. Let me end with this story. There's a family that came from another continent to America. Did not have much. Um, they came. And I remember when the individual, the man, was working at a certain office. I mean, some of the jobs that he had were very sad. And they were living in a situation where they didn't have much. They were, they were if, in society's eyes, they would be considered not so wealthy. Maybe middle class or poor. Some might even consider them poor. But this gentleman went to school, right? Again, College might not be for everybody, I get it, but you find whatever you need to do. Whether it's going into a trade, learning under someone, becoming a carpenter, for example, and then working your way up. Find a mentor that can help you and give you skills to grow your, the, the amount of money you need to be able to live on that amount of money, if you know what I mean. Am I saying that some businesses uh, maybe don't pay as well? Yeah, that's a reality. So what you can do is maybe while you're talking to the business, why don't you see what you can do to increase your knowledge base so that you can have more income to take care of your family, right? If that's the situation we're looking at. But this guy went from working a certain job that society might call poor or, 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 or whatever you might call it. He went, he got his master's, he got his PhD. And I look at this guy's story, came from another country. I look at his story and he inspires me. When I came, I didn't have anything in America. I, I, didn't, I didn't have much here. My story is not even as extreme as some other people. Came here, I came with two bags. It's two suitcases. Many people, there's some people that come to this country essentially with just a backpack. But then we have to make a decision. What is the goal? What, what can we do to get the income up? Now, again, if somebody is hungry today, you're not going to sit them down and be like, come here, you need to go get a master's before we talk. No, you help people as you can. But we also need to not enable them. We have to find a healthy balance between helping and enabling. The SJW narrative, I will repeat, is in the category of enabling. Because ultimately, we need to encourage people then to see what they can do in their circle to make the most of what they have to flourish. That's what we need to do. How can we encourage you to use whatever you have within your means to flourish, to keep pushing forward? When I read people like Booker T. Washington, when I read people like Frederick Douglass, when I read people like Thomas Sowell, when I read people like Larry Elder, when I read people, whoever, that might have had a rough background, tough situations, 
And they overcame them. I'll end with Booker T. Washington's quote. He says, success should not just be determined, right, by what you've achieved, but by the obstacles you had to overcome. By the obstacles you had to overcome. My friends, I know I've started getting into economics and so on. We'll talk about that in a different video. Those videos will be coming out later this week. Please remember to subscribe, share, forward this video onto others. Um, and I pray that we will love our neighbors. That we will love, it says, whatever you did to the least of these. The least of these, again, is not anyone of any particular ethnicity. It's anyone who's struggling or in a difficult place. So let's keep our eyes open. Who can we be a blessing with today? Instead of simply putting up some tweet online, putting up some random thing on social media and going back and doing nothing on a practical level. Let us go do things on a practical level. God bless you guys. Thank you for spending time today. I look forward to sharing more in the next series. God bless. Take care. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.